blessed Sunday to all of you, dear friends. You are tuned in to OLMC Sunday Best. This is a sharing of the Bible study group from the parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Join us now in reflecting on this Sunday's liturgy for our life's nourishment. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, who through your word reconcile the human race to yourself in a wonderful way, grant, we pray, that with prompt devotion and eager faith, the Christian people may hasten toward the solemn celebrations to come. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. One liturgical note before we go to the readings. Uh, this fourth Sunday of Lent is called Letare Sunday, the day of celebration. As we have a Gaudete Sunday during Advent, you remember the third Sunday of Advent, the priest uses the rose-colored vestments. So during Lent, it's the fourth Sunday of Lent, we have Letare, which also means rejoicing. Leticia is a person who is very joyful. So letare is the same, the same root. No? And so we will see this in the readings, why it's called also letare, because most of the readings will be talking of rejoicing, of feasting, of banquet, no? of newness. Like uh, for the lineup of our readings for this Sunday, we have the first reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verses 9 to 12. The responsorial psalm invites us to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. That's from Psalm 34. And then the second reading is from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. And the gospel is the beautiful parable very, very popular, the parable of the prodigal son. But we will also see another title for this. This is from the uh, Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 15, 1 to 3, and 11 to 32. Now let us listen to the first reading, Sister Leonila. A reading from the book of Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have removed the reproach of Egypt from you. While the Israelites were encamped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th of the month. On the day after the Passover, they ate of the produce of the land in the form of unleavened cakes and parched grain. On that same day after the Passover, on which they ate of the produce of the land, the manna ceased. No longer was there manna for the Israelites, who that year ate of the yield of the land of Canaan. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So now we're in the book after Exodus. I don't know if you still have in memory the readings of the past Sundays. No? Uh, there was Abraham. And then last Sunday was Moses. And after Moses, now we have Joshua. We reached the book of Joshua, which means we are already in the promised land. You know, they finished 
there. That's why it starts with today I have removed the reproach of Egypt from you, meaning to say the uh, memory of their being slaves in Egypt. You remember, no? They were slaves in Egypt. Moses liberated them because of God's command. And then they journeyed 40 years in the desert. Okay? In the book of Numbers. And then Deuteronomy. Now we are in the book of Joshua. And then also even the, the, world, the word Gilgal. No? Gilgal is also the place which is named here when the Israelites were encamped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho. The, this word also refers to the literally to I have rolled away, removed, no? removed the reproach, remove the identity of slaves because now they are celebrating the Passover. So we have already the uh, in Italian called, says anteprima, a preview no? of the, the blessings that the Lord promised them. After the very difficult time of their slavery, their liberation, their passage, now is the time of the Passover, <clears throat> the celebration. And now is the time of uh, really uh, enjoying the fruits of the land. You see, in the reading, no, in which they ate of the produce of the land, so the manna ceased. You remember what is the manna, no? The manna the flakes that they ate when they were still in the desert uh, in their passage going to the promised land. So now that they have reached the promised land, they have they already arrived at the land of Canaan, they eat, they, uh, they yield. So the manna cease. It's very interesting you know, that the promise of providence is uh, <clears throat> you will receive it for as long as you need it. Now that you don't need it anymore, so it ceased. No? But they still have, uh, it's, it's believed that some remnants of the manna, the flakes, the bread, was also kept in the tabernacle to make them always remember no? that God uh, provided for them, provided for all their needs, including their physical needs, their needs for nourishment. Okay, so this is the time of celebration. And this celebration, this theme of celebration, we will hear again in the gospel reading, which, uh, Patrick, are you ready? You will read for us. Very beautiful story from the chap chapter 15 of Luke. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens 
who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life again. He was lost and he has been found. Then the celebration began. Now, the older son who had been out in the field and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered and the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, look, all these years I've served you and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property in, with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf? He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this parable is so popular that, I don't know, were you able to listen uh, attentively or your, your attention was already flying somewhere? Because sometimes you say it's too familiar. You already know what's coming up next. No? And yet, and yet, yeah, that's why one of the commentators saying this is a very tricky gospel passage for those who have to deliver homilies because some of the people will surely uh, pay less attention. They're, they will be distracted. <laughs> okay, So it's a challenge. But then it is also an opportunity for us to see what other new things can you discover here? No? Like, did you notice it starts... Uh, Chapter 15, 1 to 3, and then it jumps. It jumps to 11. So what happens in 4 to 10? Okay. 
Chapter 15 is not just the story of the lost son or the prodigal son, but of lost things, no? and then lost people. Okay, so verses 4 to 10 will be the story of the lost uh, sheep. You remember, uh, there are 100 sheep, one is lost, but the shepherd uh, leaves the 99 to look for that lost one. And then when he finds that, there will be a, there is a great rejoicing, the lost sheep. But then the next part is the woman who lost her coin. Okay, so the lost coin. First, the lost sheep, the lost coin. And when she finds that, finds that coin, she calls all her, all her neighbors no, to rejoice. So again, the theme of rejoicing. There is, it's like a song, no? There's the, uh, the theme of lost and found. So after the lost things, you have the lost persons. And the question is, is, just, is it just one lost person? Or there are two. Okay. The two sons. Is it only the younger son who was lost? Or both sons were lost in a way? How, how is that possible? So uh, let's look at the, the parable. Now the first son. The man had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. You see, some interpreters would say, you know, this is like wishing your father dead because he's still alive and you're already asking for your inheritance, right? Out of respect, you have to wait, no? But then, but then they said in some cultures that is also allowed. You already ask for your inheritance so you can invest that. But for us, I mean, in Asian culture, that is unthinkable, I think, uh, for, for in our culture. So that is already one sign of this uh, spoiled brat, no? And then that, that is uh, even confirmed when the story goes. So this younger son collected his belongings and then squandered his inheritance, squandered in a life of dissipation until he, re he reached or he hit rock bottom. And nobody wanted to give him anything, not even the pig, uh, the food for the pigs. No? And so there is the first uh, sign of repentance there. No? When it says, coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? <clears throat> but his, you see, his thinking is, uh, he is not worthy anymore to be called a son, okay? So he has uh, hurt his father and has done wrong. So he said, Father, so this was his plan. This was his plan in mind. So I will go back to my father and then I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. This, this sets... Uh, this makes us think that his mind is not yet converted. He cannot think of his father uh, beyond a transactional uh, kind of relationship. Okay. He is not son anymore, so that he can still be a servant. He cannot think of his father as somebody who could still accept him as a son. 
you know, and that's, that's very common for us. When we judge somebody, it's really the do ut des, they call it in, in, in Latin. I give, I give you, you give me. Okay. I hurt you, it will be, it's right that you hurt me. Do ut des, it's just in a, um, the fair way of uh, treating each other, human level. He could not think of his father giving him back his identity. Hmm? So that's why in the next part of the story, you see how different is this father. Because while this son was still a long way off, this father, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. Okay, it's, it's all there in the details of the story. He, he ran to his son. He did not wait for his son to arrive. He ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. Okay, and then uh, the, the son who had already his, uh, what, his script in mind <laughs> did not even finish it. Okay, he reached only, I no longer deserve to be called your son. He wanted to say, treat me as your servant, but he did not even reach that part because the father already anticipated and brought back his identity and status. Okay, all these, the three things that the father mentioned there, bring the finest robe, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, that is already no, recovering his status as a son. Okay, he cannot be a servant because he is a son. And that is the only way the father will uh, accept him. And then you will see here, I don't know if you notice, the story of the fattened calf. This fattened calf for me is very interesting. This is mentioned three times. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Okay, uh, in some places, you know, the fattened calf is the is one of our treasures. No, that's it's like like in the Philippine setting. That's the lechon, <laughs> but it's bigger than the lechon. It's bigger than the pig. It's the calf, <laughs> and that was really uh, nourished, nurtured for many maybe years. Okay, but the but the father was willing to give it up for this spoiled brat, okay? So that in the next part of the story, the servant, no, the servant who was asked by the older son said, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf. Did you notice that? That was mentioned second time, no? And then when the father and the older son uh, had the chance to talk, the older son said, but when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf, third time. So I said that that must be an issue for them. <laughs> this fattened calf, <laughs> it's a big deal. Everybody's looking at that calf when that will be slaughtered. <laughs> That's the sign of celebration. <laughs> That's the sign of celebration. And I think it, it became very, very interesting here, no? Uh, that the son, the older son, really was the one who gave up the identity of the brother. You, you see his dialogue. Huh? But when your son returns, not, not, but when my brother returns, 
your son. No? He did not want to have anything to do anymore with this, with this brother of his. No? But the father, what, that, what did he do? What did he say? My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother, okay? He tries to bring the two back again. So reconciliation. Your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. So in a way, even the, the servants understood it. You see, uh, the, the dialogue of the servant in this last paragraph, the servant said, your brother has returned and your father, you know, the servant sees no, the, the details. This is a family, maybe dysfunctional family, but, but still a family. No? There, are, there are relationships that are recognized, that are respected, no? and that has to be you know, re really seen as, as they are. There is the, the younger son, the older son, and then the father who is very different image of a father, okay? A very different image of the father. Because if, if we put ourselves in the, I do not know where, to, to which son you identify, <laughs> but that is really the question when you read this parable, no? Uh, it's, very, it's very challenging to see where do you see yourself in the story? And in fact, in fact, you notice there is an open ending. You don't know if the older son came inside the house or not, right? It just ended with the words of the father. Now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Did he enter the house? Did he celebrate? We don't know. So that, that is the uh, expertise of the storyteller. You know, when you watch a movie, no? sometimes it has an open ending and it leaves you wondering, what was really the ending of that? Maybe because the author or the, the writer would like you to think. No? And actually... The key to this is in the very first paragraph, the context. What is the context? The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So who are the tax collectors and sinners? The younger son. Who are the Pharisees and scribes? The older son. Okay, so they are both represented. And what is Jesus saying? He said, the father treats you all the same. Everybody has a place in the banquet. We have to celebrate. No, that is the point. And that is the newness. That is the newness of this story. That is the challenge to think of God in a different light. No. He doesn't fit our own way of, our human way of judgment. He goes beyond. And, and that, that's really the, the big challenge. What is our image of God? Is it just God, the God who, who only judges and punishes? 
are the God, our Father, who embraces everybody, even the one who has committed mistakes and who want to come back. Okay? So that, that is the, maybe when we go to the sharing part, we can uh, share what is our image of God, no? where we need to be converted. No. But before that, we go to the second reading, which uh, reinforces this newness. Huh? Because the second reading now talks of the new creation. Let us listen to it. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come, and all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ as if God were appealing through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who did not know sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. So as we were saying, no, this uh, second reading brings us, it's, it's kind of uh, summarizes what we were saying, no, that the invitation for us is to live as new creatures. No? And um, Paul's way of putting it is, Whoever is in Christ is a new creation, okay? What does the new creation mean here, the new things? This is the new creation of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciling the world to himself. And so also us, asking us to be reconcilers, to bring the message of reconciliation. Of course, you might say, but the first thing is maybe I get I have to be reconciled. <laughs> first of all, no, I have to be reconciled with God. And then I can help in reconciling the world to Him. So uh, the the question or the issue of repentance, meaning to say, before we can celebrate, we need to enter into ourselves and see. What is that point no, in our lives that we need to see so that we can be reconciled, so that we can live as new creatures, uh, the life of new creation in God? It is uh, very important here to, I do not know if you attended our <clears throat> Way of the Cross last night. Our Way of the Cross last night, no. <laughs> Okay, if you have time, you, you can still do it tonight. We were saying, you know, our life is sometimes we see it only as the reality of what is happening day by day. But we need to remember you know, that our life is already embraced by the mystery of Christ, the mystery of his passion, death, and resurrection because of our baptism. 
So whatever we see happening in our life is already saved. Okay? It's saved. It's, it's within that reality of the mystery of Christ who has already uh, done the saving part. Now, uh, <clears throat> I was explaining last night, no? There was... There is this definition of prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is the long, loving look at the real. Long, meaning very focused attention. No? Loving, loving, not judging. Loving, because it's very difficult to look at, at something as somebody in a loving way. Usually, when we look at something or somebody, it's a judging way, right? That is in the, in the gospel. We have to stop ourselves before saying, oh, wait, I will not judge. I will try to look in a loving way at the real, because the real is also not easy to accept. Okay? Let's say the reality of the person beside me. Okay? This person is just so, how do you say, irritating. <laughs> so what do I do? <laughs> That just in itself, you say, oh my God, I'm already judging. So I cannot take the real no, in a loving way. But that is the invitation. So how to live a reconciled life with the look or the, the, what, the state of a new creation? I guess it's usually like that. You, you suspend your judgments. Or catch yourself that you are looking at the person or, or that thing in a judging way. Okay. And hopefully, little by little, no, gradually, you retrain yourself. We retrain ourselves, ourselves and say, oh, I can still change. Because the first, really, the, the first one who needs to change is we ourselves. We cannot change the other. It's really impossible to change that. We cannot even, it's even so difficult to change ourselves. How can you expect to change the other? So the reconciliation comes uh, long and hard, but it is possible. It is possible. Okay, I pause here and you can give your input. It, what I'm saying is true or not? Derma. Oh. <laughs> yes, it's Good afternoon, sister. Very true. <laughs> yeah, sister. I have this challenge always in my life. Mm -hmm. Especially, I just got came home from confession. Mm -hmm. And then here you are, this, this office mate of mine, and then she's not Catholic. And then if I do something, mm -hmm. I mean, out of work, because yeah. I, and then I made a mistake. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then she will say some negative things. And then, and then she will always include this saying, Iba nagsisimba ka? You're going to the church. Ops, ops, do not include my <laughs> going to church here. This is work. Wait, I, I am always being criticized. Uh, how do you call it? Judge. Always see me and then... Uh, uh, 
give some negative words on my going to the church. I am going to the church because I am a sinner. I want to reconcile myself with God. I am not going to church to show to you that I am what is this and what is that. What is that that you would? She is judging me already because I am going to church. I have to be very understanding, compassionate, whatever it is. I told her sister, this is work. This is not whatever it is. Ah, sister, very hard. I always just and then I just came from the church. The following day, it will happen. So I have to close my mouth. It's very hard, sister. Yeah, I want to be good. I want to be good, but here you are challenging me to be. Going back to myself, so again I say, Lord, how can I do this? Please give me a compassionate heart and let me not open my mouth. Yeah, very hard, sister. Every day I want to go to church, and there is church, but when you come back to the office, here they are. That's your reality. That's the that is where you have to exercise your long loving look, long loving. And long loving look, focused <laughs> attention. Yeah, I no, always pray to, to that. You have, yeah. you really have to make it. They call it intentional, intentional yes. loving. Intentional. <laughs> intentional. And how can I, I? I did. I don't even ask them. I don't say I'm going out because I'm going to church. I just go out of the office because I want to go to church. Why do they have to go some tirades on me on my going to church? Something yeah. like that, sister. I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes, Jenny. Yeah, sister. I just wanted to say you kept mentioning about the fat and carbon. You asked whether we would sit down. Oh, and hell yeah because you know what i'm not gonna waste that fat and calf even though i don't agree with it i'm gonna sit down and eat that calf because i didn't get to celebrate with it first so yeah you kept asking about that fat and calf so i was like i'm not gonna waste it but um when i when patrick was reading through the passage earlier um mm-hmm. i am still in that stage where i will struggle on a day-to-day basis um when i meet very difficult members or clients and yeah you, it's very easy to make judgments and i'm not going to deny it and like well, what why do they get something i don't get it and even between my siblings when i was younger um and you know when you mentioned about the, the brother the brother who goes oh your son and i just remembered oh parents tend to do that oh you know your son has done this like the husband would say that to the wife and the wife would say to the husband, no, your son has done something like So it's a dissociation. But all I want to say, actually, um, through your sharing, I think one thing that um, possibly a, a connection that I have now, a better understanding of the passage is that celebrate in other people's joy. Yeah. Because when you celebrate in others' joy, it also opens up opportunities for you to enjoy that joy and bring other gifts that God might have for you because it's a state of mind if you're always so sad and negative then even if God gives you the presence you won't be able to appreciate it and so that's my takeaway from the passage I I don't know whether other people would agree but for me for sure because I still have days and even 
yesterday at work I was like I had a difficult member who came to me and I'm just I'm trying to be not judgmental but I think it's a very difficult line to tread in probably more in the service industry um, where you have to deal with people on a daily basis and you get angry customers and you're just like no I don't want to deal with them in a nice way but I have to um, you're trying to be compassionate but sometimes it's really really trying um, so this one actually really hits really resonates with me today this passage yeah. I'm, I'm still the older brother just to <laughs> I want that pattern cow. Yeah. well if you can more or less identify where you are that's already a good starting point yeah <laughs> you know? it's taking a lot of practice <laughs> and then let let me just point out it's not it's not just the fat and coffee there are three three animals in this in this story oh, the goat the goat yeah, the, the pig and the calf and also the goat whatever no? when the older son said uh i have you have never even given me the young goat to feast with my friends you know mm-hmm. really looking at what the others have and, uh, and then that you don't have okay mm-hmm. But I, I understand what you're saying. When things are okay, you say, oh, my very good brother. But when things are not okay, oh, that son of yours, you know, <laughs> that also happens to us. In the, in the convent, no? when, the, when the foreman or the aspirant is very good, oh, our aspirant is so good. But when he's not doing the, the good things, or the, your aspirant, you really have to, you know. Is that true, Anne? That happens in the family? Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I think it's more like in the family, usually the, the, the mother is always blamed <laughs> for if something goes wrong. Um, it's like your son. <laughs> you brought him up. <laughs> There's Christian beside you. Huh? There's Christian. Beside yeah. you there. Yeah. <laughs> He's running out of the room now. <laughs> Look at his dad. No, um, actually, I was just teaching. Um, we're going through like four parables in Sunday school right now. Um, just okay. to teach them what what is the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Um, what characteristics um can we expect from the kingdom of God here on earth? Mm-hmm. Um but I, I was stuck a bit because I was telling them, you know, um, this just tells us that God is very forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lost your way um, through life, but as long as you're sorry mm-hmm. um, and you, you mean it, that you, you're really sorry for what you did, then you can, he will always come, um, he will always welcome you with open arms. I, I think what I want the kids to learn is that, um, mm-hmm. you know, the kingdom of God is there for you. And it will always welcome you um, with open arms. And uh, it's always loving. The, the, the key is like it's loving and forgiving. Yes. Um, the two things um, that I want them to, to know. Because when I ask them um, about, you know, if you're sad or if you feel that there's something wrong in your life, what do you do? And I was expecting them to say like, okay, I pray or I... Um, go to church but most of them I I think at this age they still don't 
see God as a person that they can go to, as somebody who they can open up and, and say a prayer and hopefully like help them. And actually, I shared what Jenny shared. Uh, I shared to them what Jenny did before, like when she has a problem or if, if there's something that she cannot, they cannot, uh, she cannot answer, then she goes to the pray and then open the Bible and see the passage there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just not effective enough yet. <laughs> no, it's their stage yes. of faith development. Yeah. No, there, there, there are stages. There are stages. Stage, uh, as there are stages in human development, there are also stages in faith development. Mm. You know, like uh, the very early stage of trust could uh, still be interpreted like a magical thing, you know? Yeah. You know, that when you ask something, then it has to come. It's like the stage of this young, this the younger son. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. God is just there to provide for you. No, and so your image of God is just like that. <clears throat> but then that that grows over time. Yes. No, when you so. pass through some crisis and then you don't give up, no, that trust stays. And mm-hmm. you know that no matter how far you fall, you never fall out of his hands. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just wait. <laughs> That's why experience is very important also. <clears throat> experience is very important in, in teaching people about faith. Because yeah. no? as, as we said, the long loving look at the real. The reality is the one that teaches us also the reality of God. No? God being the... Uh, the one who gives us the bigger, the larger picture, mm. okay? Not the, just the, the moment, the momentary. Mm-hmm. It always goes beyond. Yes. Okay. So uh, I guess this is a good point to, to close because the responsorial sum is exactly that. It's a, it's a kind of a celebration. It brings us even to the... Uh, you know the senses, taste, mm-hmm. taste and see, no, the goodness of God. It it awakens the senses, so it awakens our senses to really believe that God is around us. Now, seeing God in all things, the Jesuits will say, re- reconciling ourselves also to the presence of God in everything. Okay, yes. so shall we uh, pray? Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him that you may be radiant with joy and your faces may not blush with shame. When the poor one called out, the Lord heard. And from all his distress, he saved me. Taste Taste and see see the goodness goodness of of the Lord. Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a blessed Sunday.
you for tuning in to OLMC Sunday Best. Please join us again next week for another episode. Have a blessed Sunday, everyone.